Welcome to episode 16 of the Infuse Joy podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, writer, speaker, coach, and brand new podcaster. Today's episode is a tad different. We are entering into the second episode of the Women of Color series. With our current political climate, I believe it is more important than ever that the voices of people of color are being heard. We will discuss all of the goal-chasing topics that you're used to, and then we will dive into a bit more specifically regarding racial justice. I am beyond humbled, these women, these incredible women who have agreed to go on this journey with me. They are women that I already admired, and now I'm even more in awe of them. Today, I am talking with Alrenthia Carter. I met Alrenthia at the Queen Photographies Conference. I was there speaking about workflows, and Alrenthia was attending and just blew me away with her bright light of a personality. Now, Alrenthia is a rural exploration photographer based in Greenville, South Carolina. Her artistic focus is on the abandoned spaces of the southeastern United States. Her work aims to tell the stories of the South's factories and homes left behind. Silently consumed and reclaimed by the elements to brush aside the kudzu curtain to reveal the treasure troves of machinery, classic architecture, and gorgeous color. Her work has been featured in the South Carolina Review, Emory's Journal, Pembroke Magazine, Town Magazine, and Select Galleries. When not shooting old buildings, she is co-executive producer and performing member of Alchemy Comedy Theater in Greenville, South Carolina. In today's episode, we discuss navigating depression, living the life of your dreams regardless of what stage of life you are in, and whether or not it's okay to say you have a black card. I found Arinthia to be so easy to talk to, down to earth, and absolutely vibrant, and I'm sure you will too. So let's dive in. Hi, Arinthia. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, I, um, I am a local artist, but you know, my, I really kind of describe myself as just the girl that does a lot of stuff and I have mm-hmm. several jobs. So, um, the things that I'm passionate about is I am a abandoned space photographer. Um, and I focus on abandoned spaces, mills, creepy places in the Southeast mm-hmm. And uh, so I have a lot of fun in scary places. And then at night, I uh, perform comedy um, with Alchemy Comedy Theater. So cool. I do fun things after after dark, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question is, what is your work in the world? And I like the idea that it is just to do fun things after dark. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> life starts after five for right now. And I do... A series of interesting things <laughs> just to keep people on their toes. Yeah. If you could describe your work in the world for me um, in how you show up for your people and your work life, what would you say that is? Um, well, you know, the reason I got into the type of photography that I do is that I wanted to show hidden beauty and tell hidden stories about the places that I discovered. And that whole kind of, I guess, philosophy has spread into everything that I do. And so I'm really interested in learning about people and learning about their histories and, you know, learning about how I can kind of tell their stories uh, to everyone else. Um, and I expense to, to comedy as well. You know, when we create a character, we are creating a being with a past and a story and what makes them different. They're crazy or fun. And then we perform them on stage. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. So tell me a little bit about the comedy that you do. 
Uh, so I do primarily improv comedy, um, which basically means we get on stage, you give us a suggestion of anything at all, and we create this whole world uh, in front of you. Um, and that world can either be two minutes or it could be an hour, uh, just depending on the show. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to see and, and to do. So with the, all of the many amazing things that you are doing in your life, were there things that you needed to quit along the way to be where you are now, like ideas or beliefs that you needed to let go of or physical things you needed to leave behind? The, the biggest thing was I had to let go of thinking that there was a certain place I had to be for my age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 38 right now, and uh, I'll be 39 in a few months. And the biggest thing is I had to kind of let go of the, of the notion that I was supposed to be married with children, with a house, and, like, my student loans paid off. <laughs> you <know>? Yes. <laughs> There's this picture of, like, of that person and I was miserable trying to either be that person or kicking myself for not being that person. Mm. And, you know, the moment that I was like, you know what, life isn't going to slow down if, you know, I don't have my student loans paid off. I'm going to do what I find fun right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that was what changed everything. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember how that shift happened for you? Um, it was actually just kind of... Um, you know, I, I talk to people a lot about mental health and it really was just kind of figuring out how to live with uh, clinical depression mm. that changed everything for me. Um, it's basically, and I guess this, this is more of my life philosophy is coming out of the darkness and reaching out of the darkness to find things that really kind of make you shine and make you, um, make you happy mm. really. And so when I realized that when you're in the deep darkness of depression, you, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, how short life is and how precious life is. And that is what makes you kind of fight out of that. And that's what made me kind of say like, well, why can't I take an improv class or why can't I submit my work for publication? You know, what do, what do I have to lose? You know, because yeah. I know I, I know what it's like to almost lose everything. So that's that, that's what kind of saved me. Yeah. There. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful description of being in a place of deep depression rather than seeing it as taking life for granted, which I think is kind of a, a stereotype that we can find people falling into. You're, you know, what I hear you saying is like, no, actually it shows you how deeply it, how much more valuable it is to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, you're going to be, you're still going to be living either way, mm-hmm. God willing, but wouldn't you want to fill that time that you have with things that they bring you joy than obligations that no one assigned to you in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I have, I think it, every single day I have to say that to myself, no one assigned this to you anyway. Yeah, it's not <laughs> your job. Like no one, you didn't interview for this job. You didn't fill out an application for it. It just, it's just life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in your life, what would you say is your proudest moment so far? I would say my proudest moment, and, um, and I guess in the past couple of years, it's been 
so many since I kind of made that revelation to myself. Um, I would say my proudest moment is, let's see. Oh, yes. So I, um, I shot with one of my photography heroes. His name is Matthew Christopher. He operates, operates under the name Abandoned America. And he's this big guy, super awesome, does really cool stuff. And I took a masterclass with him. I drove up to Maryland to shoot with him for four hours. And when I got there, you know, other people were there with like really expensive camera equipment and $500 tripods. And I showed up with my $25 tripod that I got from Walmart, uh, my Canon Rebel, which I still shoot with, Mm -hmm. and uh, my air mask and a headlamp and that was it. So I didn't have knee pads or, you know, huge backpacks of equipment because uh-huh. I'm used to kind of being kind of like a gorilla reconnaissance where I'm scooting under fences and things <laughs> like that, you know? So um, my proudest moment was sitting there in the midst of those people and knowing that while I didn't have the quality and the expensive equipment that they did but I was just as worthy as of being there mm. and and my work was was mine you know it 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 I come to it from a spiritual end and so it's going to be different and um I didn't really need to prove myself to anybody so mm. I would say that's probably one of the pr- proudest moments of my life but I have so much fun that I'm proud of all of it so <laughs> oh that's good oh that's good uh yeah. Um, you know, I feel like as a as a, a past photographer myself, I remember that moment of showing up to like shoot a wedding and like be a second shooter and then people rolling in with like suitcases filled with gear and me being like, I'm like good at this, right? Like Yeah. You know, I didn't invest like twenty thousand dollars in gear, but like I'm a good person, right? Right. Yeah, um, I am a firm believer that no matter how many, how much equipment you have, if you don't have the eye, it doesn't mean anything. Like if you you can have the things, but if you don't have that sense to capture what you want to capture, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just plastic and mirrors at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, that has me wanting to ask you, what is your greatest joy in your life right now? Um, my greatest joy in my life is that. I finally figured out um, that I didn't have to ask permission um, to really enjoy the things that I wanted to do. Um, I, you know, for a long time, and I've been shooting abandoned things for over a decade, and I never really told anybody because it was weird, you know? So, you know, <laughs> just just kind of saying, yes, I am Orinthia Carter, and I hang out in mills on Saturdays for mm-hmm. fun. Like, that is a revolutionary statement in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, or being a woman in comedy who's not 25 and is not the traditional standard of beauty, um but I have my own kind of humor and I know that I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's another thing as well, but just kind of saying, you know, waking up one one morning and say, what do I want to do? That's one today. I don't l- literally say that, but I have the ability to do that if I want to. Yeah. Whew, yeah. That's life changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, 
Alinithi, I am so honored that you agreed to come on and do this particular series with me. Um, is it okay with you if we kind of switch gears at this point? Sure, absolutely. Awesome. So I would love to know how does being a woman of color impact the way that you operate in the world? Um, I would say women of color kind of come into any kind of scene that they're in already knowing that they have to work twice as hard um, to get half as much, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that my mom used to say to me, you know, you you already come with with one strike against you and you you don't want to earn the other two. So mm-hmm. I think we kind of come into anything that we do knowing that the odds are against us, whether it's direct or indirect or obvious and not obvious, that we have to really kind of be gung-ho in whatever decision that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hard thing about that is you have to do all of that while keeping a graceful exterior because you don't want to be seen as someone who's angry or someone who um, doesn't deserve what you're working for. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. So you have to have that outer shell of confidence, even though you may be quaking in your boots inside. Hmm. Yeah. Something that I have heard several times at this stage is, is that idea of like, I learned from my mom that I enter into it with one strike against me. Yeah. Is Do you feel like that is um, a part of your familiar cultural, like familial culture to raise each other up with, like, this is the information. This mm-hmm. is what you're working with. Yeah, I think it's something that I learned kind of in my family and with my extended community here in Greenville, in art and in, in comedy. Um, you know, we, we met at the Queen Photographers um, yeah. meeting. And the remarkable thing about that group is we all know that we're coming in on that, that same plane. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're so willing to say, like, let me help you learn this. And, mm-hmm. you know, you not ha- you won't have this right now, but let me give this to you because I know that you're building your business. Just often no questions asked. You yeah. know, I don't even take pictures of people and they offer, you know, so much support and without me even knowing what I need. So mm-hmm. I think that is just kind of indicative of the larger community is that we want you to succeed. And so we're going to do whatever it is to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, something that I noticed with the queen photographers association too, is the, um, the assertiveness of which they share their brilliance Mm -hmm. of like, no, we're going to show you like, not only like, it's not like we're not playing cat. Like, it's almost like saying like, we know you expect us to be playing catch up, but like, we're already five feet ahead. Right. Yeah. Um, Which I was just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't have time to convince the world that we can do it. We just have to just just do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means faking it till you make it, but a lot of times it's really like we come in with so much preparation before we even show you what our hand is because we know that there are going to be some that are going to doubt, you know, yeah. what we bring to the table. And that's, you know, to be, you know, that's a, as a woman of color and as a woman just in general as well. So um, one of the the tender pieces of this that I really wanted to talk with you about is the um, the idea that we right we have these like 
true white allies who are doing the work um, and feel totally in alignment with like your mission. And then I feel like there's a lot of well-meaning white people who are doing more harm than good. So do you have perspective on what you would consider to be the difference? Yeah, I would say if you are a white ally that is coming to any sort of situation or issue with, I honestly want to hear what you have to say and I want to know kind of what your voice is in this, I think that makes all the difference. Rather than saying, you should be, you. I feel like you are sad about this and I want to tell you how sad I am also about this, even though we have completely different narratives and I want you to kind of help me figure out that narrative for me. And so I think that's the different thing, but I think it, it, asking questions, but letting them guide the conversation, whether it's a rally or the conversation we're having right now. I mean, this is a perfect example of how to do this the right way. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that leads us right into the next question, which is how I've been so nervous to mm-hmm. do this because I think it's, I it's, you know, it's me being like, okay, I have this platform. I want to lend it. Um, I also don't want to mess this up. You know, and just like insert myself into somewhere that like I don't belong Um, with like full humility, like not not saying I'm not invited, but saying like, is this the right place? Right. Um, So and I learned in a recent episode with Jamie, the term ally cookies (laughs) of just saying like, oh, you want some ally cookies? You want to pat on the back for like doing something good? Um. I would love to know, you know, how, what do you see as the difference between like someone coming in and taking over mm-hmm. and someone coming in and saying like being of assistance? I would say that oh, I guess on the positive side of that is someone using like you're doing right now, using your platform um, and, and the privilege that you have to allow me to speak my truth. Like, I think that's where it, that's the direction it should go. Um, and then another, I guess the, the more negative side is if um, a woman is trying to, or anybody really, is trying to um, assign what she feels that she thinks that I'm feeling onto her own narrative. So if the first things that comes out of someone's mouth is, um, I'm not a racist, but, or, uh, I just want to let you know that I voted for Obama. It's like <laughs> from the start, you know, <laughs> you make it about you, you know, <laughs> like I and see then, that you were black and I once voted for a black person. <laughs> yeah, I did it. You know, like, or oh, I gave my, um, you know, I had, when we grew up, I had a housekeeper and we were so nice to her. Oh, like my God. someone actually said that to me. And so, <laughs> Was oh, like, no. Okay. So I think when you started with, like, I statements, you know, you, if you're coming to someone, you want to know what their story is, but you're making it about you from the start, then you're not going to gain that information because they're going to immediately shut down and say, well, you don't really want to know. You want me to make you feel better. So <gasps> ally cookies, that's a perfect thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really... um I mean, and being fully transparent, you know, I can say, like, 
I've been there. Like I have those moments where I'm like, tell me that I'm doing a good job, please. Because it is so, um, as someone who's very conscientious, like, am I doing a good job? I want to be doing a good job. Um, I don't want to mess anybody up. There is that, that, that narrative exists. And, um, but I think it's really, and I say that to say, I really appreciate hearing it with the the idea of you clarifying like I language versus you language. Like, is this about you or is this about me? Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, and I just, I just lost my thought. Um, I, I think kind of approaching it from a, an aspect where, well, actually I'll say this, we can kind of tell the intent of what you're saying comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, you know, during the day, during the day, I'm a counselor with students, so I can read between the lines anyway. But I can tell if you're coming to me with honestly with wanting to know that information, versus okay, I'm checking off a list mm-hmm. of what you're what I'm what I'm supposed to be doing as a liberal person. I am supposed to care about X, Y, and Z, and give to these causes. But at the same time, not knowing anything about those causes or of the actual people that like you can give the black black lives matter. But if you've never actually talked to someone about their experiences encountering the police, you know, what does that what does that mean to you? You know, it's just a, a check at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, what I when I'm kind of digesting um, from you is that what I hear is you saying like, it's not about the way you're doing it. It's not necessarily, like, your actions. It's, like, get your internal shit in order yeah. and come from the right place and because everybody can see through you. Right. Don't come and think, all right, I am here to save you from every other white person. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I have this cape and I'm ready oh. to embrace you. And we're, like... But we didn't ask you to, mm. you know. So you know, I think it's 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 one of those things where if there's not a really a way that you can really mess it up if your intentions are good. I mean, there's so many think pieces about this, but there's really no usable user manual mm-hmm. for this. Like no one is saying like you have if you do A, B, and C, you you get it. Check. Mostly it's just. 10 paragraphs of just like, oh my God, and I, I've, I've stopped asking questions and I've started, started using my, 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 my ears and it's all fantastical. But <laughs> if you basically just, you know, instead of saying, I feel bad about this, tell me what you feel. And instead say, um, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think about this. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I love your brain. Um, <laughs> how can the creative community, do you think, be more friendly to women of color? Because I, um, you know, we've had discussions about how it's not as inclusive and how you have to kind of come in already with like a strike against you. What would be your recommendation to the creative community? I would say just be mindful that there are other voices out there. Um, and it could be, you know, that can come from people of color. It could come from someone anywhere on the LGBT uh, spectrum. You know, it can come from anyone that's differently abled. Like you won't 
hear the stories if they're if the voices are invited to the table mm-hmm. um and so we're used to kind of working as hard as we can to get a seat at the table but a lot of times if you have the ability if you have an extra seat at the table offer it to to someone who has a, a different voice than you do mm-hmm. um there's a big example and there's a gallery in town that i i love i love their space and i would have loved to show my work there but I went to one of their shows and I was followed around the whole time. <gasps> yeah. And it was basically, you know, they would, they continuously ask me like, how did you hear about this? Um, what brings you here today? Oh and my gosh. I, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm not the kind of person that goes into a place and says, this is my artistic re- resume. I need to tell you all of the things and I shouldn't have to, mm-hmm. but just like welcoming that person in, whether they're going to buy art or not, and kind of let them ask the questions that they want to ask about your work. And if they look at a piece and leave, they can look at a piece and leave. But if you already are on the defensive, that's a voice that you're cutting out of your perspective. Um, And I would have loved to show myself there. Now I won't go back, but I would love to show my my work there. And and that makes a difference. And so if you have one... um, uh, artist of color that's saying, you know, this place is not welcoming to me. They're going to talk to other artists of color. They're saying, you know what, they're not really looking for for us to, to represent their brand. And, you know, that that affects that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting those, the, the art of people that are different colors in your exhibits, you're seeing kids and people are coming in and seeing those exhibits and they're taking in those additional voices and they may understand um, issues like Black Lives Matter or, you know, etc. So I think, and I, I hope I'm being clear, but yeah, I think you when you shut the door to those voices, you, you don't get to learn from them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the biggest thing with art and with comedy, you know, mm-hmm. you know, with comedy, I'm the, I'm one of two women of color in my theater, not purposely, you know, not for anything that the theater is doing, but, you know, it takes us having, being willing to walk in and say, I'm the only one, but I definitely deserve to be here. And my, my comedy voice is just as valid as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think, so, I think that um, two things that you said were so interesting to me, and I just want to kind of touch back on them. Um, one of those being the idea that um, it takes so much courage to invite yourself to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I think it is, you know, it it is the creative community's responsibility to assess and do a little reaching out um, instead of waiting for you to come to them because we have years and years and years showing. Mm -hmm. Um, The other piece being, I I think the idea that, you know, these galleries show you, right, like, it's awkward when you even come in the room. I think that what we do by not including when I'm like just now kind of having this moment is we create these, um, it becomes like now it's black art and now it's gay art. Um, and it's just art. 
Like, right. It's not yeah. like white art isn't just isn't what art is. Yeah. We don't have like a monopoly on art. And it doesn't, yeah. yeah. But because it's so segregated, it becomes like now it's just this niche. So then, well, it like we're creating a division that's un- completely unnecessary. Right. And I, you know, I, my art doesn't even feature anybody. So you can't, what? if you saw my art, <laughs> you don't know if it's like, I mean, most times people assume it's a man anyway, mm. but you know, with, with, with me, it's like my art kind of transcends all of those boundaries. So it's like, why wouldn't you want to show that work, but be different from any other gallery that's, you know, only featuring white men and say, this is, this is art is just as great, if not better than the art I'm already showing, but it's, it was made by a, a, a African-American woman, you know? I mean, I think that's just something that's remarkable. Um, just in that, in that community. Mm-hmm. And then with comedy, I am very aware that people see me on stage and they see, okay, she's doing it. So maybe I need to, maybe I'm able to take an improv class now because obviously it is something that quote unquote black people do. Yeah. You know, that's another thing, you know? And so I, I'm always aware of like when I'm performing, that I am representing alchemy, uh, you know, obviously, and I'm representing myself, but I am the person that is reaching out to that sole black woman or black man in the audience that has been thinking about doing comedy and they're thinking like, well, I don't know. I'm not necessarily Wayne Brady, you know, mm-hmm. but they could do it, yeah. you know, and it just happens that I love doing it. Yeah. So I'm having a good time. So I'm like, just come have fun with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so would you mind touching a little bit on the idea of cultural appropriation? Kind yeah. of do your description of what that is and then um, do you share your feels about that? Sure. Um, I would say cultural appropriation is, to me, is taking someone else's story and values and wearing it like a costume, basically like you you know i guess like an obvious example is you know indian um headdresses you know you put those on you go to coachella and you're seen as edgy Mm -hmm. but if um, a man who is actually you know identifies as native american wears that then they're seen as oh you know they're they're just kind of um uh what's what's the right word um they're hanging on to the past or they're not really in, in the world. They're not, you know, giving to um, our society. And that's why we're there in these different places. That's a whole, that's a weird example to give. But I think when you, when you take something that I have grown up with and you wear it and you're seen as um, breaking barriers and edgy, but if I do the same thing, I am ghetto or I am ratchet or I'm a stereotype, you know, it's, it's, it's so many different things. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that something that I saw a lot growing up was a lot of conversation around like black people being cooler than us (laughs) and trying to do things, trying to prove like the idea of getting a black card. Yeah. Like, um, and like being like, oh, I got my black card so I can like do this 
stack. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like, like, <laughs> can you just tell me your thoughts on that? Do you have thoughts um, on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it's one thing to appreciate the culture and appreciate what we do. Cause we, I mean, we are really cool. We do a you lot of fun cool. things. <laughs> we are just like, I mean, I, continuously think like oh my god my people are amazing we can take very little and make something just fantastic and I and that can definitely look really um just uh I guess sexy on the outside you know like I want to be a part of that Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's like you know, you can have an appreciation for hip hop and, and, and black fashion and things like that. But the moment that you take that on and don't give credit from which it, from where it came from, that's when you're appropriating it. Like, it's totally fine if a white woman decides to be a rapper, but if she has to wear black culture, like a costume, and what are you really doing here? No one's paying attention mm-hmm. to your talent. They're paying attention to the shell that you've adopted yeah. that you don't understand. It's like a lot of things that we do in our in our traditions go back centuries. I mean, even just the, the corn rowing, you know, yeah. there, 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 there are records showing women in Africa with these elaborate designs on their on their heads. And, you know, they're like basically physical crowns on your head but you take you take a supermodel wearing it and it's like oh well you know she obviously is just discovering this and you know she's 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 being cheeky like oh look at her she's wearing cornrows because she's being different and it's like there is so much bigger than that yeah 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 I hope that makes sense (laughs) it absolutely does it absolutely does um what would you say um, is your one piece of advice to our audience today with, on anything in life? What would you choose? Um, I would say it's going to sound like Nike now, but just do it. You know, like if you want to start taking pictures of buildings, if you want to start taking pictures of anything, mm-hmm. you know, you have the power to pick up that camera and just do it. Even if you're just taking pictures of your kids for a year, you're learning how to capture that light. You know, um, if you feel that you are funny and you want to entertain audiences and you have gone to your family reunions and they think you are hilarious, <laughs> take an improv class or, you know, try a stand up uh, open mic. You know, that's what they're there for. There's, you know, comedy is such a supportive beast that we will welcome anybody in you know improv comics are like the orientation leaders of the of the world (laughs) and i can say that being having been an orientation leader and an improv (laughs) comic you know an improviser i would say you know we all you have to do is get on stage and we will help you be the best you can possibly be and so that all they kind of that all goes back to saying like you know, I wouldn't say, what are you waiting for? Because you can be waiting for anything. I don't know your life. But if you know that that's something you want to do, take that first step and just do it. And it could be scary. Yeah, definitely. You know, just making that first step and and opening a business or, you know, painting something, you know, just do it. You know, that's why they have 24 hours a day. Now I'm a bad example because I don't sleep. So I am doing things (laughs) around the clock, 
But like when that passion is inside of you, it's, it's so much worth it. It's so worth it to, to put in those extra hours, you know, editing can be really boring, but I love it. And if I'm doing it at one o'clock in the morning, I am having a blast doing it because that's something that I'm passionate about. And so if you have a passion, it's going to come out whether you want it to or not, Mm. you know, or it's just going to inside you and you're going to be sad because you know, it's there. So just like, don't hold it back. Yeah. (laughs) And there's there's someone on earth that's going to want to see what you have to offer. You know, if if you can, and you only have to necessarily put a price tag on it. You don't have to sell anything, but you know, if I don't sell another piece of work today, I'm, it's not going to stop me from getting up at seven o'clock in the morning and driving two hours to go check out a, a mill that's been destroyed for a hundred years yeah. because that's just something that I love to do. Mm-hmm. Now, of course you people should buy my work because Obviously. I love, it, but <laughs> speaking of buying your work, I want to know your website. How can people find you? Uh, so my website is southernfilter.com and filter is spelled with a ph. So uh, P-H-I-L-T-E-R. And I'm not being weird. Like, I, I feel like growing up in the 90s, we put, like, P-H on, on everything. But <laughs> filter with a P-H is um, a love potion. Oh. And so my work is to make you fall in love or fall back in love with the South and um, our buildings and our grit and our houses and all of those things. So oh, you can like check me out, southernfilter.com. Um, and what about a social media? Where can we find you there? Um, you can find me on social media, um, also at Southern Filter on uh, Instagram. Um, and I also have another one uh, called Hello Lover Eats. Mm-hmm. And basically how it started is when I'm not taking pictures of buildings, I really love eating. I can, I just love food so much. <laughs> So my photography Instagram was being filled with pictures of crudite. And I was like, oh, wait, I, I guess I'm supposed to be brand compliant. So <laughs> I created another one. So oh, if you want to follow what I'm doing with food, you can do Hello Lover Eats and with houses, um, Southern Filter. And I used to have a Facebook page, but it was honestly a lot to keep up with. So mm. Instagram is more fun. I you know yeah (laughs) we're definitely instagram fans over here yeah yeah i love it so everybody i will have all of that linked in the show notes at sarahjanecase.com slash podcast slash episode 16 and that's number one six (sighs) thank you so much for being here oh that was so much fun yeah thank you for talking so openly with everybody yeah i i I hope i help somebody out there you know (laughs) definitely it was such a joy to speak with Arantia today i hope that you are all able to walk away from this episode with full understanding that you can do the things you want to do in your life as always, thank you so much for being here. I am truly thrilled to be creating this content for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a rating and review in iTunes. It helps me to get this content to more incredible people just like you. And my challenge to everyone listening to the Women of Color series is to do one thing today that contributes to racial equality. I cannot wait to see you next week. Bye.